Hello, everyone. Welcome to the special edition of the Ayumi podcast. In this episode, we will be taking a look at the latest issue of the Ayumi Eye newsletter, which is an overview of some of the most important topics in the industry right now and includes a number of expert contributing authors. We will be joined by Ayumi members and contributors to the newsletter to discuss a range of issues from claims handling, inflation, and the ongoing conflict in Europe and its impact on reinsurers and the price cap on Russian crude and refined products. Our first guest today is Frederick Denefler, president of Ayumi. We recently interviewed Frederick in a roundup of his first 100 days in office, which can, of course, be found on the Ayumi website. During the interview, Frederick mentioned one of the ongoing challenges for maritime is the Russian-Ukraine war, which is showing little sign of coming to conclusion. What we will address today is how the war is impacting the reinsurance market and how our insurers are adapting to this new reality. Frederick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me again. Uh, this subject is a very, very interesting and very important for the entire Ayumi community, and I'm pleased to be able to uh, uh, go and have this chat with you today. What are the main reasons for reinsurers' reluctance to provide cover in warlike regions? Uh, well, that's a, that's a very broad question, but there there is a very simple first, I would say, answer to that. The war is still going on. And uh, we, we still have a clear threat, uh, both inland and at sea, uh, which means that reinsurers cannot feel very confident with, with such a situation. Uh, factually, it did not improve since last year. And uh, I think that th there is no clear sign of things getting better. The future is not very clear when it comes to some area of the world. Uh, take, for example, the relation between China and Taiwan and uh, the importance of shipping in this area. I mean, anything which could happen between those two would have certainly some side effect. And marine reinsurers would not want to be faced to such uh, a, a new area of threat. I think that's a great point. The concern over some disruption in the Shanghai port, it's been bad enough with what's going on in Europe, but that would be chaotic. How would insurance companies find their way around risks without the support of reinsurers? Without any reinsurance protection, you expose your balance sheets at, uh, I would say, entirely uh, to the risk uh, with, without sharing it. You have to make sure yet you do not overexpose your capacity uh, uh, through uh, various uh, policies which might lead yourself being ex overexposed to some dangerous area in the world. Make sure you understand where the cargoes are, where the ships are going to. The other thing that you can also do is, is maybe more work on the contractual issues and try as much as possible in, in order to limit your exposure to see whether you can reduce your exposure so you will share your risks. On the topic of sharing risk, um, and you have the unique uh, uh, position to be able to explain this in some detail. Um, how does Ayumi add value during a period, as you've just adumbrated, of serious disruption around the world? Ayumi has a dual role, really. The first role is uh, to, to be able to attend all kinds of discussion, to send a message to the belligerents saying, well, one should do its utmost uh, to uh, reduce the pressure on those vessels, uh, to uh, allow crew to 
leave and escape from the dangerous area and make sure that the owners uh, could also be authorized to leave those dangerous areas as much as possible without any harm for their crew on board, for for their vessels and for their, their cargo on board eventually. Uh, when it comes to international discussion and in the international relationship was to participate and to understand what was going to happen with the, the Grain Corridor Initiative, which, which allowed uh, vessels to go back and forth to Ukraine and in order to ship out the agricultural product, which is so needed by a lot of countries around the world. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the podcast, Frederick. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having invited me. And uh, uh, I'm always prepared to have those interesting discussions. So see you next time. Inflation has impacted every aspect of our economic lives, from energy supply to the cost of a cup of coffee on the high street. Sean Dalton is the head of marine underwriting in North America for Munich Reinsurance. He is based in New York and was recently named head of marine facultative. Sean is an expert in marine insurance and is well-versed in the inflationary impact on reinsurance. Sean, welcome to the IUMEI podcast. Uh, Thank you very much and pleasure to be with you today. Uh, How are inflation levels impacting marine insurance today? Mike? Many other lines of insurance in the property casualty sector, marine is impacted by inflation. It's increasing the cost of loss, whether that's the cost of repair costs for a vessel, uh, the increased values of cargoes being shipped, um, the increased uh, third-party liabilities as we deal with challenging legal, legal climates. It's all taking that same loss from, say, two, maybe three years ago and it's increasing the cost of that loss uh, significantly. How is the industry preparing for a potential recession and how is that going to in fact impact inflation? The marine insurance sector is is significantly impacted by any kind of uh, uh, economic headwinds, uh, recessionary pressures, uh, uh, and, and the most dramatic impact is felt in world trade. You know, that's always an issue with respect to, you know, certainly the cargo line of business being the largest line of business for marine insurance. Um, you know, any reduction in, in trade volume, in, in, you know, reduces your exposure base. Uh, at the same time, due to the inflationary pressures of the last several years, while we may see less physical units of cargo shipped, the value per unit of cargo is a lot higher this year than it was two to three years ago. Uh, so it's a uh, it's not a simple equation uh, as just looking at maybe a, a overall sales level or uh, you know actual tonnage of goods shipped. It's both you know the, the, the quantum of goods shipped and also the value of, of those goods that w- that are impacted. Freight rates coming uh, down off historic highs. Uh, uh, you'll see uh, you know carriers uh, really competing for uh, uh, for for cargo, and that's uh, will bring down freight rates. Ships make money when they're moving and when they're when they're carrying at capacity and you know when they're not in those situations um their earnings are impacted i think the other aspect that would be uh i'd be remiss in not mentioning is just the uh the the challenges around the labor market attracting retaining and developing quality talent remains a, a a you know a primary challenge something that's i've been thinking about is the the reopening of china because obviously that's a, ma- a massive manufacturing hub. Is there expectation that that could offset much of the existing ongoing inflationary pressures? 
It's certainly a factor, and I'll, I'll go back and reference the recent IMF announcement that came out in uh, the very end of January. And in there, they state that certainly China and India, they account for 50% of global global growth. So again, that, that uh, you know, positive or negative developments can impact the global trade picture quite significantly. Sean, thank you very much for your time. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Um, much appreciated and wish you all a good day. Thanks for the opportunity. The International Maritime Organization and IUMI are concerned about events following maritime incidents. Ship owners may not always have the financial support to respond properly to liabilities and subsequent claims. A claims handling manual provides assistance for problems facing claimants, so the liability party pays its dues accordingly. CEO of Marlin Blue, Guillermo Zamora, joins us now. The Huelva-based company specializes in legal assistance in maritime accidents and recoveries, and Mr. Zamora, no doubt, has much to say on this topic. Guillermo, welcome. Well, um, hello, hello, Jason. Good morning. Uh, well, I am pleased to take part in this podcast. Just kind of, Adam Bray, explain what a claims handling manual is and why is it necessary? Well, in general terms, a claims handling manual is a set of instructions for any kind of um, uh, procedure. It is kind of a knowledge in order, in this case, to claim for something. More specifically, the IMO, Liability and Compensation Conventions, they are, a, they are instruments created for the liable party to pay its dues, any type of due related to a maritime incident, uh, maybe for pollution events during operations for, for, for vessels or otherwise. Expanding on from that, would you be able to go into why obtaining information on its own, in itself, is so essential for a claimant. When it comes to information, information is power, isn't it? Um, a lot of times obtaining extra information out of the box has helped me as in finding details that bring to a conclusion a discussion with amicable discussion out of court uh, with ship owners or insurers, PNIs and so on, liable parties. The main purpose of um, claims handling, it is obtaining a solution, obtaining a settlement. It is the claimant, the one who is seeking a reimbursement, a payment, and of course it is up to the claimant well, to, to, to claim and to get in touch with the liable party and to ask, hey, um, Let's find out a solution for this liability you have. What is it that you need in order to pay your dues as, as a liable party? Well, I am believer of this kind of uh, amicable solution in order to, well, to settle matters and to find out a solution for controversies, for differences. Thank you very much for coming on the IUMI podcast, Guillermo. It's been great. Uh, and thank you for having me here. Finally, we sit down with Lars Langer, Secretary General of IUMI. Lars is an expert on a number of topics related to maritime, but first and foremost, we want to discuss his recent attendance of the 79th session of the IMO's Marine Environment Protection Committee, which took place in December last year. Lars, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me today. Lars, what are the most significant amendments to the mandatory MARPOL, and when are these amendments expected to be introduced and enforced? 
in concrete, I would mention here five uh, topics which were on the agenda and which were considered. So the first is uh, uh, the committee uh, considered and decided on were details on the energy efficiency existing ship index, EEXI, many will have heard this word. The difference to the and EEXI is about the existing fleet and that is much more complicated. It was very much also about the so-called CII and the third year was the ship energy efficiency management plan. The second was on, on, as I already said, on the revision process for the initial IMO greenhouse gas strategy. So what the committee additionally did uh, well is that it discussed some voluntary measures, uh, particularly also for the national states. So it was one initiative on cooperation of ports and, and national and national authorities. And it was also encouraged to come up with voluntary national action plans addressing greenhouse gas emissions. Next is we talked about the short-term measures, EEXI, CII, and so on. Uh, the next was uh, that MEPC 79 further, further considered the so-called basket of candidate midterm measures. And the last one to be mentioned here uh, is the IMO fuel consumption monitoring data collection system, the so-called. Luz also attended the subcommittee on ship design and construction in January of this year. Uh, Luz, what are the most significant decisions that were made during the meeting? What is currently underway is a so-called formal safety assessment, FSA, it's all abbreviations, uh, and this is done by an external party. This is a consortium led by a Danish company called DBI, uh, and this FSA, once ready, will give concrete guidance on a scientific basis, so very detailed and very concrete, enabling the, let me call them, politicians at the IMO to come up with concrete regulation. A second one, very important for us, uh, I would like to mention, is the fires on Roro passenger ships. We've there were two studies, this is already a few years ago, but this is the basis for which it's currently decided, uh, were two studies from EMSA, European Maritime Safety Agency, called FireSafe 1 and 2. The working group did, did its work and it's close to adoption now. A, a number of, of measures, let me mention four here, detection and fire alarm systems will be amended, an effect, effective video monitoring system shall be introduced, uh, structural fire protection, that is really the elephant in the room in my view, shall be massively enhanced, fire insulation, open spaces and so on, there will be, uh, will, will be proposals and fixed water-based fire extinguishing systems. So it's, it's comprehensive action, but that is pretty much completed and underway. At the beginning of February, IUMI hosted their winter meeting in London, during which the EC and TCs discussed the IUMI 2030 strategy. Lars, could you illuminate for us what the most critical issues discussed around the strategy were? What we have seen is that our new strategy, IUMI 2030, will certainly not entirely reinvent the wheel. So it wouldn't be any revolution which can be expected, that's for sure. It is rather about uh, getting up to date, including some lessons learned. So we are pretty far in the winter meeting. We decided on 11 very concrete projects. Let me mention one or two. So 
we, for example, decided for one project in which we will endeavor to improve very much uh, our statistic work. So we are already extremely good at, at statistics, I would say. Yeah, a very important one is in further improving our gender setup and our diversity setup. So we are underway in the right direction, but we unanimously feel that we can do even more. Uh, we discussed how to improve our IPP program, for example, that is very successful and we are convinced that for mutual benefit we can do even more, more in that direction. Also, the theme Strength and Stability in Turbulent Seas was announced for the Edinburgh Conference. What can delegates look forward to? It's not really a secret that we have several challenges out there. One could say as always, but nevertheless, Mention a few. The war in the Ukraine is extremely important for us as insurers. Uh, we have a complete fallout of Russia as a trading partner, of course. We have inflation currently, which we haven't seen in that degree for quite a while. Uh, we have tensions in, in, in Far East, in, in Southeast Asia as well, to a degree. Energy prices affect our business. So this is what we discussed in the winter meeting. Nevertheless, what we said is we would li rather like to come up for our common theme for this year's conference uh, with a positive approach, with a positive angle. And this is why we finally decided on something in that direction. And our common theme will be strength and stability in turbulent seas, which addresses, of course, the turbulent seas, but also emphasizes to a degree that us as marine insurance industry, that we can support our clients in tackling these challenges, these turbulent seas, and that we can be part of solving the problem. One of the discussed points during the winter meeting was attracting newcomers to the marine insurance industry. What are your thoughts on how to achieve this? That is something which is extremely close to our heart, but which is not solved in a day. You need an atmosphere in which this creativity of the newcomers, this, this energy and this enthusiasm is as much addressed as experience and, and, and knowledge. Beyond awareness change, it is about facilitating that. So that can be dedicated events for, for newcomers, this can be dedicated platforms for newcomers, this can be financial benefits, for example, for your education programs, for our events, and, and the same uh, for gender and diversity, that we are really a perfect mirror, A, of the marine insurance markets out there, and B, of the whole society, of course. So that is that would be our wish. Thanks very much for joining us, Lars. Ayumi's international involvement and events always provide incredible insight into the most critical ongoing issues in maritime insurance. That about wraps up the special edition of the Ayumi podcast. If you liked this episode, you can listen to previous editions on the Ayumi website at ayumi.com.